I'm always excited to bring God's Word to you and also privileged and uh, just uh, humbled to be able to be used by God and, and just uh, speak and, and share His Word with the church this morning. So as we continue in Genesis, uh, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 12 this morning. And so if you want to turn there, you're welcome to or uh, turn your phones on and get there to Genesis chapter 12. We're going to be talking this morning about Abram's call, faith, and failure. And as we get there this morning, I just wanted to point out that just about everybody, if not, if not all of us, have access to a cell phone. There's one right there. Uh, and uh, so we all, have, we all have access or we have one or we, we use it, we have it on ourselves. Sometimes from time to time, we get a phone call from a random number. You may recognize it, you may not recognize it, but how do you answer your phone? Majority of us in the United States answer with hello. And however else you want to say that, but you usually start off with hello. But I wanted to see how the world answers the phone. And so thankfully we have Google, and thanks to Google, you guys get to know how the world answers their phone too. And so if you live in an Arabic-speaking country... You would answer your phone, where have you been? It's a little, little harsh, but it's all right. <laughs> where have you been? Or you also might say in an Arabic-speaking country, you might, uh, you might uh, say, may your mornings be blessed. May your morning be blessed. I liked that one a lot. My favorite out of all of the phone calls is Russia. In Russia, this is how they answer their phone. They don't say anything, nothing. There's nothing. They don't, there's not a the word they say. Uh, they, they just answer the phone in silence. And they wait for the other person to start talking. In Brazil, you answer fala, which is simply talk. In Germany, you'd say your last name. So I'd answer the phone and say, Argent. In India, you say namaste, which means hello and goodbye. In China, you say wei, which means hello. In Japan, my favorite saying one, moshi moshi, which means hello. In Italy, you'd say pronto, which means speak promptly. Now, we all get phone calls from time to time and we answer them. Uh, and sometimes we recognize the number, sometimes we don't recognize the number. But I want to ask you this morning... What if that number wasn't just a random number, uh, but that number was God calling you? Your first reaction may be, somebody changed somebody's name on my phone to God. And no, what if God was actually calling on your phone? Would you answer it? Would you pick up the phone and answer God's call? Today we're going to look at Abram's call in chapter 12. Just to put a little bit of time frame for you guys in, uh, we've been in Genesis, in Genesis chapter 1 through 11, and now we're in chapter 12. 1 through 11 covers roughly 2,000 years of time. And starting at a, a transition point and a very pivotal point in getting into Abram's call, uh, in Genesis chapter 12 through chapter 50 slows way down. And only covers about 200 years of time. From the last time we hear God speak in Genesis, uh, which was to Noah, until he speaks to Abraham, nearly 400 years have passed. 
And then starting out in chapter 12, starting with the story of Abram, or as he's called later in Genesis, Abraham, we, and we'll call him Abram today. Sometimes I may, I may say Abraham just out of habit, but Abram was considered in Christianity to be the father of faith. And we're going to look at today Abram's call and his faith and his failure. The first point this morning is God calls Abram. God calls Abram. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whom dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed." And within these verses, these first three verses, we see that uh, Abram is called. God has called Abraham. Uh, Abram. Abram doesn't necessarily pick up a phone. We don't know how he calls him. We don't know how he talks to him. Uh, but we do know that God calls Abram. And he calls him in a big way. But not only does he call him, but he gives Abram five promises. And I want to take a look at those five promises that God has given to Abram. God promises Abram. There's five promises that he gives to Abram. That first promise is God promised Abram land. Now this land that God promised Abram, God didn't tell Abram, you go to this exact location and that's where I want you to go. God said, you leave, you get up, you take your your immediate family and you go and you leave the rest of everything else behind and you go to this place and I will tell you when you get there. This week, I got to speak at uh, Northland Christian School in their chapel, in the uh, middle school chapel, pointed at a kid who wasn't really paying attention all that much, and I said, now I want you, and he's like, oh, you know, I, I, want, I pointed at him, and I said, I want you to now go down the hallway, and I want you to go as far down the hallway as you could go, and that's where I want you to go. It's not a big deal. He knew the school. He knew the layout of the school. That wasn't a big ask of him to do that. He stood up and started walking. I was like, no, he could stay sitting. Uh, it's like me saying, Pastor Michael, would you, would you go over to Quick Trip for me and get something for me? It's not a big deal. Or, or would you go to my house and, and get something? He's been, they know where I live, and it's pretty easy to get there. It's not a big deal to get to my house to ask. That's not a big ask. Then at chapel, I, I pointed to another, uh, another girl, and I, and I pointed, and I said, uh, now, I, this is more like God's call on Abram. Now, I want you to get up, I want you to walk out of the cafeteria, and then I want you to walk out the front doors, and I don't want you to stop walking until I tell you to stop. I will tell you when you get to where you're going. I will, I will find you, and I will tell you where you're going. That's a lot bigger of an ask. And God asked Abram to just do just that. He said, I'm going to show you the land. I'm going to promise you land. I'm not going to tell you where that land is or what that land is, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I want you just to go. He promised Abram land. God also promised to make a great nation from Abram. He will have children and grandchildren and further descendants enough to populate a great nation. You see, at this point, Abram's 75 years old and he has zero children. 
This is a big trust. It's a big faith. It's a big saying, okay, God, I trust that you're going to, you, you promised me that you're going to make a great nation. I have zero kids at 75 years old and is middle-aged for him because he lives 125. And so he is uh, 150, sorry. He, he lives, he's at a middle age. And so it's, that's a big deal. It's a big thing for, for somebody of advanced age to say, okay, I'm going to trust that you're going to make a great nation from Abram, from me. We're also later told in Genesis that his descendants will be more numerous than the stars in heavens. And I wanted to put this in perspective, and I wanted to know, well, how many stars are in the heavens? How many stars are out there? And so, thanks to Google, I Googled it again and looked up uh, the answer to this question. And the uh, current estimates of stars in the heaven is 22, uh, 10 to the power of 22. It's written out there. Uh, that's a really big number. Uh, I won't read all the zeros, but that is... Uh, 10 sextillion. Put that in a little bit more perspective, a number that we can kind of relate to is a trillion. That is it written below the sextillion. 10 to the power of 22 of stars. That's a lot of stars. That's a lot of descendants. And at this point, Abram has zero children. No grandchildren, no descendants. It's a big deal to follow and trust that God is going to come through with his promise to make a great nation of Abram. We also see that God promised to make Abram's name great. You see, in history and throughout culture, there is probably no more honored name in history than the name of Abram. Not only is he honored and revealed as the father of faith in Christianity, and we know him, we know him very well. There's even a song about him, right? Father Abraham, right? So we know, we know that. But he's also honored in the Jewish culture, and he's also honored in the Muslim culture. So his name is honored uh, throughout the world. And this one is, is on the political side, so we won't go too deep into it, but God promised to bless those who bless and curse those who who curse Abram. This promise inherited by the covenant descendants of Abram, the Jewish people, and its root reason for the decline and death of many empires throughout history. My favorite out of all these promises is this, last one, is this one. Through Abram, all the families of earth will be blessed. God's blessing to Abram was not for his own sake or even for the sake of the Jewish nation to come. It was for the whole world, for all the families of the earth, for you and for me, not of Jewish descent, not of Abram's line, but through Jesus. Galatians chapter 3, verse 7 through 9 says this, Now no. Then, that is, those of faith who are the sons of Abraham, Abraham, and the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, Abraham saying, and you shall all the nations be blessed. So then, those of you who are of faith are blessed, blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. You see, we have an opportunity uh, through the faith of Abraham and the line of Abraham through Jesus dying on the cross for our sins. He came to earth, lived a perfect life in this sinful, broken world. He died on the cross for you and for me. Died a terrible death on the cross. 
covering our sins with his blood, dying on the cross, raising from the grave three days later, later ascending in heaven, defeating death on our behalf. Also that you and I could have put our faith and trust in Jesus. If we, if we say, God, I need you. I know I'm a sinner. And I need you to be Lord of my life. We too can have eternity in heaven with Jesus by putting our faith and trust in Jesus. And we see this line starting with Abram being a father of faith and faith and trusting in God and God's promises that he's given him. Now we see that Abram departs in faith for Canaan and partially obeys. We see all these promises that God, God says go. He gives him a call. Then he gives all these promises to Abram. So then Abraham now departs in faith. We see chapter 12, verses 4 through 6. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people that they had acquired in Haran. And they set out to go to the land of Canaan. When they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the, the land to the place of Shechem and the oak of Morah. And, they, and at that time, the Canaanites were in the land. You see, Abram was 75 years old. We mentioned this. He was old and advanced in age. And it seemingly all hope was lost in the fulfillment of God's promise. So all Abram had to live by was to live by faith and trust that God's promises would come true and that God would fulfill his promises through Abram. And so he departed in faith. He went in faith that God would fulfill his promises. But then also Abram partially obeys because he was told to leave his entire family. But he took Lot, his nephew, with him. And as we'll read later on in Genesis, as we go through his story and uh, through later in Genesis, we'll see that Lot ended up being really nothing but trouble for Abram. How often do we, we fully uh, say, okay, God, I trust you, but I'm going to hold on to this. God, I fully put my faith and trust in you, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold in, in this little spot here. I'm, I'm going to partially obey you, God. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to go where you call me, but I'm going to hold on to this. And Abram did that with Lot. And as he's out on his travels and he's going to the land of Canaan, uh, he, uh, he gets there and God appeared to Abram again. See in verse seven, then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your offspring, I will give you this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. Once Abram was in the land, uh, again, we don't know how God called to Abram. We don't know how, uh, what he did. Did he speak through a bush or did he, like with Moses, or did he uh, audibly speak through the, the winds or the earthquakes? Or what, what did he do? How did he speak? We do not know that, but we do know that he called Abram again. He called him again and said, here is the land that I've given you. Uh, I want you to stop. And what did he do there first? So he built an altar. And, and you see that with that, with that, and we'll get there in a second, building altar. But Abram, just as a point, never owned any of this land. The only land that he owned there in Canaan was a burial plot that he bought 
for Sarai, and later Sarah. Yet God's promise was enough evidence to assure Abram that he did indeed own the whole land. And the first thing that we see that he does there is that he built himself an altar. And so Abram built an altar and pitched his tents. Second one, good. All right. We see verse 8. From there he moved to the hill country in the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed on, still going towards the Negev. You see... As he built an altar, the first thing he did there was build an altar and he worshiped God. He wasn't told to do that. He wasn't asked to do that. He did that because he wanted to worship God. He desired to worship God. He wanted to put God first. He wanted to say, God, uh, I trust in you and you've, you've shown me this land. You've called and said, this is where you want me to go and I'm gonna worship you and thank you, God, for fulfilling your promise. He offered a sacrifice for sin to show submission to God and to worship God. Even in the land God gave him, Abram never lived in a house. That's why he set up his tents. That's why he, he never uh, uh, set up his permanent home in Canaan. He set up tents because tents are homes of those who are just passing through. He didn't put down permanent roots. If you put your faith and trust in Jesus and you said, Jesus, you are my Lord and Savior. You are my everything. We too are to live like tent dwellers as pilgrims on this earth. We should live as though people who have, that their permanent home is not here, but their permanent dwelling is in heaven above, not on earth. We put everything, we tend to, we tend to say, I, I, God, I, I, wanna, I wanna put all my faith and trust in my home, my faith and trust in my job, my faith and trust in my, my vehicles, my faith and trust in, in those, those things that are around me. And, and Abram says, and God says here in Genesis, we are to, put our faith and trust in God and live like tent dwellers is not our permanent home. Heaven. If you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, heaven is your permanent home and we should live like that. Abram also then failed to trust God through famine. Starting verse 10, now there was a famine in the land so Abram went down to Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was severe in the land. When he was about to enter Egypt, he said to Sarai, his wife, I know that you are a woman beautiful in appearance, and when the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Then they will kill me, but they will let you live. Say you are my sister, that it may go well with me because of you, and that my life may be spared for your sake. When Abram entered Egypt, the Egyptians saw that the woman was very beautiful. And when the princes of Pharaoh saw her, they praised her, they praised her to Pharaoh. And the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. And for her sake, he dealt with Abram. And he had sheep and oxen, male donkeys and male servants, female servants, female donkeys and camels. You see, back in Canaan, many people died from hunger. And it was right for Abram to be concerned about the famine and feeding his family. But this is where Abram was wrong and failing. Abram was wrong in thinking that God would not provide for his needs. In the place that God called him to. After all, God called Abram to Canaan, not Egypt. Abram, like most of us, found it 
way easier to trust God in the far-off promises than the right-now needs. Found it way easier to trust God when uh, the picture was big. When, when God said, I'll give you the land, I'll give you a great nation, I have no kid, I, I can trust God. I, like, that's, that's great, I'll trust God. But when it came time to famine, Abram found it a little harder to trust God and left and went to Egypt. You and I have the same, same opportunity to trust God, not just in the big picture, but in the little things as well. I've shared this story many times. I won't go into a lot of details, but we, Megan and I, went, five years ago, uh, I was diagnosed with, with brain cancer. And in that time, I had the opportunity to, to trust God or walk away from God. Trust God or walk away from God. We chose to trust and follow God. And God, God promised to take care of our needs and, and they were met. Uh, our finances were met and bills were paid for. Uh, travel, I couldn't drive myself during treatment. Uh, that was all taken care of. People drove me everywhere. Um, we trusted God in the right now needs and in the far off promises. How often do we fail to trust in the right now needs? My car's broken down. I can't, I can't get to where I need to go. Trust God in the right now needs. I guess I, guess I can't go do this because I've got to do this now. I can't serve God because I've got to go do this. I can't, I can't do this. I can't, God, I, why, why God, why God? Trust God. Abram failed to do this. And because he failed to do this, Abram was rebuked by Pharaoh. And there's a lot of people on this planet that I wouldn't mind coming up to me and saying, hey, uh, you need to uh, fix this, change this, address this. Megan does it often to me for me. So um, I'm, not, I'm not afraid of that. But there's one person that, man, I, I would not want to be rebuked by, and that would be Pharaoh, the, the king of Egypt, right? The ruler over Egypt. Uh, and Abram was rebuked by Pharaoh. We'll see this in verse 17. But the Lord afflicted Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarai, Abram's wife. So Pharaoh called Abram and said, what is this you have done to me? Why did you not tell me that she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister so that I took her for my wife? Now then, here is your wife. Take her and go. And Pharaoh gave men other uh, orders concerning him. And they sent him away with his wife and all that he had. So often we do the same as Abram when we're tested in this way. We often believe that our actions are all right because no harm can come. Nothing can come to me. No wrong can happen. Uh, I'm good. It's just a little, little, I'm taking it in my hands to make sure that I'm covered and I'm taken care of. We believe our actions are good. And though God blessed to protect Abram, even in Egypt, he came away with excess baggage and a rebuke from a pagan king. And really harm came from his trip to Egypt. As we saw with Adam and Cain, they had an opportunity to say something and do something that's right. And ideally, Abram would have said in Canaan before he left through the famine, God promised me children that I, and I don't have them yet. Therefore, I know I'm indestructible until God's promise is fulfilled. 
because God's promises are always true. God will protect me and my wife, Sarai. Even in his failed attempt to go, he could have said, okay, I still trust in you, God, um, and, and I know I'm gonna live through this. Nobody's gonna kill me because I don't have any descendants yet. He could have trusted, and he should have trusted, and he should have said, I, I, I trust you. He should have trusted God in the famine and said, I'm gonna stay where you've called me to stay, go and not worry and not think that I can handle it. You see, Abram could, would, have, would certainly become a giant of faith. Today in Christianity, we call him a father of faith, father of believing. Yet he did not start out a hero of faith. He failed trust through famine. He failed to trust God in Egypt with Sarai. But we see Abram as an example of growing in faith and obedience. You and I can be examples of growing in our faith and obedience to God. See, it's hard to sometimes uh, do things that God has called us to do when we're called to do them, even though they're not really all that big. One of the things that, that we do as a family, we try to, uh, when we go out to eat, we try to pr- ask our server if we could pray for them. And we do that in front of McKenna. Because we want... We want to grow in our faith and obedience to God and sharing the gospel, but we also want McKenna to learn and grow in her faith and obedience to him as well. Yesterday, we had a delayed Valentine's Day lunch date, Megan and I, and we took McKenna with us uh, just because all the snow and all that happened. We, we went yesterday afternoon, and, and we ate out, and we asked our waitress, hey, we're going to pray for our meal. How can we pray for you? And she said, oh, you pray for a trip that I'm coming. And then she left and they came right back. No, 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 pray for my, don't pray for that. Pray for this. Uh, um, and we, I said, well, well, we've got time. We'll pray for both. Two weeks ago when Megan was out of town for work, uh, McKenna and I went out to eat pizza and uh, we were sitting there eating and, and, I, and I forgot to ask our waiter. And a little bit later, I saw our waiter and I said, hey, we're going to pray later tonight uh, at bedtime because we do that every night. Uh, is there any way that we could pray for you? He said, hey, pray for my new baby. I've got it home. And we started talking, and, and I invited him to church. And I did all this in front of our daughter as a step of obedience to what God's called me to do. My favorite place to share the gospel is sitting in the chair of the person doing my hair, cutting my hair. May seem dangerous, but they're captive. I'm, and they're cutting my hair. They're ready to go. Um, if I say something they don't like, they just shave everything off. Um, but I trust that God is going to use the words that He's given me to say to share the gospel with that person, because they need Jesus. Are we growing in our faith and obedience? You see, God is in the business of grow, growing Abram into a man of great faith. This requires circumstances where Abram must trust God. See, faith is not a mushroom that grows overnight in damp soil. It is an oak tree that grows for thousands of years under the blast of wind and rain. Are we willing to be obedient and trust God in all things? When God calls, are you going to answer the call? When God says go, are you going to go? When God says talk to that person, are you going to talk to that person? To who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free.
Ask yourself today if God's the one calling you and God is saying go and do this and say this and, and speak to this person, invite this person, share Christ with these people. And God is saying go. If he's saying be a missionary, go. If he's saying serve, serve. Whatever he's doing, are you, here's the questions you can ask yourself today. Have I chosen to follow Jesus? Am I daily living in by his word? Am I sold out to Jesus 100%? The theme at Northland Christian uh, this year is are all in. Are you all in? Are you all in to the call of God? Are you all in to let God uh, meet the needs of your life so you could accomplish the call that he's called you to do? Have I let the truth of Christ set me free to live the life God's called me to live? Are you willing to follow his call? Let's pray. God, I just thank you for this day. Thank you for allowing us to be here to worship together on this beautiful morning. God, I just, I pray that as we go today, that you'll give us every opportunity to go and share you with others. God, that we will live by the promises that you've given us. God, that we will go and we will faithfully live our lives for you. Trust and give everything and our all to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.